This week on the Pressure Cast, Call of Duty is heading back to World War II, an SNES classic might arrive this fall, and Kirby is coming to your underwear drawer. It's Monday, April 24, 2017. Everything happening in the world of video games is here, now on the Pressure Cast. Pressure Pals, welcome to the 178th episode of Pressure Cast. Video games are dumb.com's weekly news panic that posts every single Monday on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music, and America's longest running independent newspaper at ShepherdExpress.com. My name is Colin Tanner, and I'm caffeinated and ready to ramble to you about some goddamn video games. But in case you never listened to the Pressure Cast before, it's easy. It's a pretty simple concept. We talk about the latest video game news, we talk about the latest business developments, and then we take a look back at the history of video games. It's fun, and it happens every single Monday. <laughs> in case you never listen to the show, you wouldn't know that. Uh, but in case you want to contact the PressureCast, it's easy. You can email PressureCast at gmail.com. You can text or call 954-947-7377, or you can even tweet at VGADUMB or leave a comment at Facebook.com slash VGADUMB. Man, what a week. It has actually been a pretty bizarre week. And yes, we really will be talking about Kirby and lingerie. And yes, Nintendo actually approved it. But let's hurry up and get this show going. Let's get on the train. Chug, 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 chug. Here comes the train. Tooty, toot, toot. Beep. Beep. That's right, it's time for the hype train. Feel the PR vibrations as we barrel towards video game satisfaction station on the hype train. This is the part of the show we talk about all those upcoming video games to get you hyped up to spend all your money and become a video game guru. And we're going to be starting it off with one of the biggest video game franchises ever. It's official, Call of Duty is heading back to World War II. Activision confirmed via Twitter that they are quote, taking Call of Duty WW2, I'm sorry, Call of Duty WW2, which is the name of the game, I don't know why they decided to call it WW2, but it is taking the series back to its roots, end quote. Uh, while there was no gameplay shown whatsoever, a worldwide reveal live stream will take place on Wednesday, April 26th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. However, leaked details allude to the traditional single player and multiplayer, as well as a fully original co-op rather than the supernatural zombies mode. This marks the first time the Call of Duty series will be going to World War II since 2008's World at War. WW2 is being developed by Sledgehammer Games, the developers behind 2014's Advanced Warfare. And that's basically the whole story. We're going to have to wait till Wednesday to actually see some gameplay, though there are a few pictures that were leaked via Twitter. I know. I know. You, you're on one side of the fence or you're on the other side of the fence. Either you go, oh, okay, that sounds cool. I'll check it out whenever it, it, you know, whenever the video goes live. Or you're thinking, fuck that. I don't like Call of Duty. Call of Duty is everything wrong with video games. Or maybe there's actually a third option. You're just like, no, duh. There's another Call of Duty. Big deal. Big surprise. And I don't blame anyone. You know, it's it's been 11 years since Call of Duty went annual. Like, all the way back in 2006 with Call of Duty 3, they have released one every single year. Some of them great, some of them underwhelming. And so I can understand why that's all a bit tiring, especially if you played them every single year, and especially when there are new franchises out there that are really hitting their stride this generation. I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn just came out, and that's a great game, and people are really excited about that. They might not want to go back to Call of Duty, 
But it's important to keep in mind just how important this franchise is to Activision. Call of Duty by itself, just Call of Duty, nothing else, has raked in $15 billion. $15 billion. Billion dollars. One franchise for Activision. And there's only 14 games. Well, I guess there's more if you count um, those uh, PS2 games. Uh, and, uh, and the PlayStation Vita game, but nobody really counts those. At least I hope they don't count those. Uh, but yes, it's been a bit of a slip up. But even last year's Infinite Warfare, even with its disappointing sales, which Activision admitted were disappointing, it was still the best selling game of 2016, according to the NPDs. It beat out everything else. Now, we don't have exact numbers on certain PC titles, so maybe other games had more copies purchased, but according to the NPD, Infinite Warfare, the one that everybody disliked on YouTube and said, I'm not going to buy that game, I'm going to get Battlefield 1, which I do like Battlefield 1, but it's important to note, <laughs> Battlefield 1 was not the number one best selling game. Call of Duty was, even with all that hate. In other words, it's still hugely profitable, and it's really popular. But let's get real! It's 2017, and saying you're a fan of Call of Duty is like saying you love Family Guy. Even though uh, there are numbers and statistics to prove that's a popular opinion, it's not a popular thing to say. Now, me personally, I like Call of Duty. I, I, I like the over-the-top single-player. I like the online uh, multiplayer. and. Well, I guess that's about it, because zombies really just, you know, it's not my thing. But even though I, I still love JRPGs, and I still love my weird indie games, I can appreciate the arcade style of Call of Duty. It's fun, turn off your brain, just enjoyment. Just taking out people, getting shot, you know, quick hit. I enjoy it. But, I will admit, there have been some inconsistent releases since they made the jump to current gen. I mean, Call of Duty Ghosts, which was the very first one back in 2013, that was a boring game. That was a bad... I think you could actually argue that was a bad game. It was boring, it was slow, it was so self-serious, and it didn't really earn any of its moments, and its story was confusing and bad. And then there was Advanced Warfare, which I liked, but other people, that's kind of when it turned for them, because then they introduced double jumping and wall running, and they're like, that's not Call of Duty, I don't know what that is, but I, that's not what I come to this franchise for. And then there's last year's Infinite Warfare, which, it took place in space. There were spaceships, <laughs> and laser guns, and for some people that was just too much. And they said, fuck it, I, I want nothing to do with this franchise anymore. And even Black Ops 3, as popular as it is, people will admit that it's, it, it, it didn't have the same Hmm. It didn't hit the same nerve as, as Black Ops 2 for some people. I actually really liked Black Ops 3. I thought it was an awesome game. But for other people, it just wasn't what they were looking for. So if you ask me, the return to World War II, instead of, say, Modern Warfare, is a brilliant move. It's been nine years since the Call of Duty franchise was in World War II. Nine years. Call of Duty 3, back when they kicked off this whole annualized thing. That's where it started. And I believe that was Treyarch that made Call of Duty... Three. It's not a great Call of Duty, I'll admit that, but, you know, that's the last time they went to World War II. And returning to the 20th century, that means they have to completely change the way they, this game plays. I mean, you cannot do wall running and double jumping and, and thermal scopes and laser guns. I don't even know if they'll still have sliding. Like, seriously, I'm not sure what they're going to retain from the previous games. They might just strip out everything and start from the ground up. I mean, and it will still be left trigger to put your, uh, you know, your scopes up and right trigger to shoot. But beyond that, there, there's no certainty. And that's a good thing, because if Battlefield 1 proved anything, it's that real-world events rendered in gorgeous graphics 
that's still compelling. That's still something cool because you can recognize the reality of that. And that's something that Call of Duty has been missing for, I don't know, uh, seven years, somewhere around there. Wait, it's been missing wait. And don't get me wrong, it is totally possible to create a fictional universe in outer space and sympathize with the characters. That's what fiction does, it, you know, it, it makes you relate. That's what it's about. But it's just a lot easier to relate to someone that's like, you know, your grandpa or your great grandpa or your great uncle, where your family has some sort of history. I mean, World War II affected everyone. I mean, except for, nope, nope, Antarctica got involved. Hmm. So it affected everyone. And there's something harrowing about being in those virtual battlefields and recognizing the real, you know, triumphs, tragedies, horrific events that real people went through and a lot of people just straight up died. They never came back from it. And I know it's cliche, I understand this, but war is supposed to be hell. But for Call of Duty, for many years, it just felt like an action movie. There's been no weight to it. And I'm sure many aspects of this game are still going to feel like an action movie because that's Call of Duty. They can't just leave that behind. But a more grounded setting that just allows players to become emotionally invested, easily, easily emotionally invested. And I think it, it it's it's kind of telling if you think about it. The Call of Duty franchise. When you say what is the best moment ever in a Call of Duty franchise, well, most people point to a moment that doesn't involve a gun, <laughs> that doesn't involve running, that doesn't involve jumping, that doesn't involve multiplayer, but it's the moment from Call of Duty 4 where there's a dude crawling on his hands and knees after a nuclear bomb goes off. Like, it's a terrifying situation that we can all sort of relate to. It affected people emotionally. And that's something that just hasn't been there since, I would say, ooh, maybe the original Black Ops. Maybe the original Black Ops. You know, so Call of Duty wants to go back to World War II. I think that's awesome because the gameplay is fine. It's always been fine, but you know, and some people might even say it doesn't change enough, even with all the double jumping and all that kind of stuff. But if you think about it, it's just been missing heart. So Activision, do yourself a favor on Wednesday and don't screw up the first trailer like you did with Infinite Warfare. As for the multiplayer, you know, like I said, that's going to completely change the way the game plays because you cannot have double jumping and drone strikes and all that kind of stuff. It's probably going to be carpet bombing and... Well, probably it'll be car uh, carpet bombing. Hopefully they'll bring back those dogs from World at War. That was cool. You got to shoot a dog in the face. Maybe people don't think that's cool. I thought it was cool. But I want to hear from you guys. Let me know what you think. Are you excited about Call of Duty going back to World War II? Or are you just like, meh, I don't really care. I don't like Call of Duty. And it's fine if you don't like Call of Duty. It's not for everybody. That's why there's so many games out there. But let's all admit, Call of Duty is popular. And for good reason. For most people that buy that game, they think it's fun. And then they go on Twitter and they complain about it. But that's only if you're under the age of 16. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Toot toot. Uh, on to our only Nintendo story of the week. Following last week's discontinuation of the much sought after NES Classic, Eurogamer is reporting a Super Nintendo Mini might be coming soon. According to Eurogamer, sources close to the company have confirmed a micro console based on the 16-bit platform will arrive later this year. And that's actually the whole story. And, you know, 
That's it. Uh, but I've said this last week and I'll say it again. I do not believe for a second that Nintendo is completely abandoning the NES Classic. There is just too much money on that table. I think they're just going to, um, you know, swap out some of the games, get rid of some of the third party, put in more first party games and then push it back out so they can, uh, you know, have a higher profit margin on there. I still believe that's going to happen. Uh, but without, like I said, some of those third party games. So you might not get your Super C and you might not get your Mega Man 2, but you will get your uh, Urban Champion. Probably. I said Ice Climbers last week. There was actually Ice Climbers in the NES Classic. My bad. Uh, but yes, I still think that's true. I don't think Nintendo is stupid enough to just leave money on the table. Uh, but if I were Nintendo, I would not release an SNES Classic this year. I wouldn't release one for another two years. I would just keep releasing the NES Classic and limited supplies, and I would build up that anticipation. I would have people being like, God damn it, I want that SNES Classic. Why don't you just make one already? And then when you release it, you clean up at retail. And I mean, they can do that now. They can do that this fall, but why not just let it build a little bit? Make it an event. Make it something really exciting. Because if they do an SNES one this year, then people are going to expect a Nintendo 64 one next year. Like, you don't want to... Take your time, Nintendo. Uh, but if they are going to release an SNES Classic, it'll probably have 30 games, because the NES Classic had 30 games. So I actually compiled a list of what I assume will be on the system. And I want to be clear here, this is not a wish list. This is me guessing, just being like, ah, all right, what do I actually think will be on this system? Now, what would I want to be on the SNES Classic? Well, that's a totally different story, but let's be realistic. So let's start off with Super Mario World and Super Mario All-Stars. This is a slam dunk. This is a no-duh. They, they will have Mario on the SNES Classic. Duh. Second, Zelda, Link to the Past. Duh. That's, 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 that's an obvious choice. Uh, Mario Kart, that is also obvious. That will happen. Super Metroid, you know, I would debate whether or not they would release a Super Metroid on the SNES Classic, but... The original Metroid was on the NES Classic, so I'm going to say yes. Now, here's one that I think would actually be a pretty big deal. Hopefully, they'll have all three of the Donkey Kong Country games, because those were incredibly popular on the SNES, arguably the most popular late-entry franchise for the system, because those were, what, like 1994, 95, 96? That was annualized, believe it or not. Uh, I think that's a safe bet, having all three games right on there. I think you're going to have a ton of Kirby, because Kirby only had one game on the NES. He had a ton on the Super Nintendo, so Kirby Superstars, Kirby Dream Land 3, maybe Kirby Dream Course. I would kill for Kirby Dream Course. I don't know if uh, Nintendo wants to go to all that trouble, but I would love it. Uh, Super Punch-Out, probably, because they had the original Punch-Out. I might like Super Punch-Out more than the original Punch-Out. I'm a big fan, so... I would actually really like an SNES Classic just for that, even though, of course, I could just use an emulator. Now we're going to get into some of the territory where I'm not sure. I'm not totally confident, but it's likely. It's likely. I would say maybe Pilot Wings, which, of course, was a, not a huge game on the SNES, but it sold enough copies. People kind of recognize it enough. I'm going to give a maybe to F-Zero. That was actually a launch title. It's not a franchise that they really do anything with. Uh, but they did include those F-Zero stages in Mario Kart 8, so I'll give that a more positive than a negative. And then they'll probably have something dumb like Wario's Woods, <laughs> because Nintendo doesn't know that game sucks. Uh, but uh, speaking of puzzle games, I will absolutely commit, 100%, there will be Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario will be on the a SNES Classic, because there are people out there that don't even play video games, and they love Dr. Mario. That's how positive of a reception that game got. Now let's go on to the sad news. I wish they would put Mario Paint on the SNES Classic. That's a wishlist one for me. It's not going to happen. They're not going to put Mario Paint on there. I wish they would, but they won't. Same thing with Earthbound. I love Earthbound. You love Earthbound. But 
they've yet to even release Mother 3 in America, so I'm going to say absolutely not. Because keep in mind, this is a marketing tool as much as it is a product. This is trying to get people reinvested back into Nintendo's uh, core franchises. Also, it's worth noting that the FX chip is notoriously difficult to emulate, so I would not expect uh, Star Fox, which is the obvious one. Uh, Yoshi's Island, I believe, uses an FX chip, so do not expect that. Uh, Stunt Race FX, I would say, is also unlikely. I think Yoshi's Island uses the FX chip too. Uh, yeah. The, those are the ones that come to mind right now. Um, but those are all first party. Those are just the first party SNES games. So what are they going to do for third party? Well, I'd say they'd probably release Mega Man X simply because they had Mega Man 2 on the classic. Uh, Street Fighter 2, strong possibility because, you know, it's another Capcom game. Though I wonder if the Capcom would want to hold back just because they have that other version of Street Fighter 2 that's launching on the Switch uh, next month. So, maybe. But, I mean, Street Fighter, that's an obvious choice right there. And we're not going to get Mortal Kombat due to some weird legal stuff, so... Street Fighter, why not? Hopefully we're not going to get, like, World Heroes or anything. I want good fighting games. Um, Konami, you know, they were involved last time. So, I would say probably Super Contra, maybe Contra 3. Gradius 3 would fa be fantastic. I would kill for Sunset Riders, though I, I somewhat doubt that that's going to happen. Uh, Square was, was also part of the NES Classic. They had Final Fantasy Part 1. Uh, so I would say, um, well, here's the thing. They could release Chrono Trigger and they could release like Final Fantasy 6 or 3 as it's known, but that probably won't happen. I don't know why. I just don't think that's going to happen, especially because they have those games available on phones. And yes, they had the original Final Fantasy available on the phone, but I don't think it's nearly as popular as those other renditions. So I don't want to keep, they, they, they probably don't want to compete with themselves. If I'm not mistaken, Super Mario RPG doesn't use an FX chip, so I'd say Super Mario RPG. It's a pretty safe bet, and that's a great game. So, you know, don't be too salty when you don't get your Chrono Trigger. And then from there, it gets kind of hazy because uh, I know Tecmo was involved with Tecmo Bowl on the NES Classic, and then there's Technos, uh, who had things like, uh, you know, Double Dragon on the NES Classic, but their SNES output was pretty bad, so I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no to all of that. But those are my best guesses. Why don't you leave me a comment below or send me an email and let me know what you think is going to be launching on the NES Classic. Cool? Cool. Moving on to Sony news. Last fall, the PlayStation 4 Slim was released with a lower price point and a sleek new form factor. However, it included a 500 gigabyte hard drive, which was somewhat disappointing for those that were looking for something a little bit more big, then they also didn't want to use external drives. Well, now Sony has confirmed the one terabyte model released in Europe last September will finally be coming to the United States and will only cost $300. It's the exact same price as the 500 gigabyte model. Uh, no precise date was listed, though Sony has stated it will arrive on store shelves sometime this month, uh, which basically means that they are just getting rid of the old model and replacing it with the, uh, the new one. So it basically depends on when those stores update their orders. That's basically it. So when they order a Slim, this is the model they're going to get. And I got to tell you, I upgraded my PlayStation 4 Pro earlier this year, and I still run out of hard drive space, even with one terabyte. And, uh, you know, the, maybe it's just a me thing because I do install a hell of a lot of games more than most other people. I guess I'm a special case. But all in all, this is a good deal for someone looking for a PlayStation 4 Pro. Uh, and I understand that this, is, this was actually probably inevitable because, and this is weird, but you hear me out here. From what I understand, a 500 gigabyte hard drive is more expensive to produce at this point than a one terabyte hard drive. So Sony's actually saving money by putting more uh, space in their console. 
which is weird. So in reality, this is a, a, a cost-cutting measure. Kind of crazy, right? But that's how technology works. Toot toot! In more Sony news, the company has confirmed that Hot Shots Golf is finally coming to the West, though it will undergo a name change. For the first time in the franchise history, the Western release will go under the Japanese name Everybody's Golf. Uh, since it launched back on the PS1 in 1997, Everybody's Golf has been a staple for Sony consoles and has had s 11, I almost said 7, 11 separate releases on the PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, PSP, and Vita, and now the PlayStation 4. Uh, Everybody's Golf will live in America on August 29th and in the UK on August 30th. Uh, in case you've never played one of these games, they are just a really simple arcade fun golf game. There are just, you know, it's like a vacation in a game. There's like blue skies and poppy music and it's always been really easy to get into and then hard to master. And, you know, I, here's the thing. I was trying to look this up earlier and I couldn't find anything. I swear. And let me know if you know about this. I swear there was a point in in Hot Shots Golf history where they had these bonus characters. You know, they, they you know they had characters that you could play as. And everyone's done in this like chibi art style, so everyone's like really cartoonish. I could swear there was one entry where you could play as the Predator from Aliens vs Predator. And I know I sound insane, but I tried Googling it. I can't find anything on this. I know it happened. I, I, I can totally imagine what he looks like with like the, the dreadlocks and everything when he was swinging it. Um, and I know that they had Kratos in the game. So like they definitely had some pretty outrageous guest characters, uh, but whatever. Doesn't really matter. Uh, as for the name change, it's probably for the best. Hotshots Golf. That's that's an IP that doesn't really mean anything in the West anymore. And besides, you know, Hotshots Golf that could discourage people from playing the game. You know, they're, they're, they're at GameStop, they're looking at the store shelves, and then they see Hot Shots Golf, and they're like, Oh man, a golf game, I want to play that! Oh, it's for Hot Shots? Oh man, I wish there was a golf game for everybody! And now there is, buddy! So good move on Sony's part, A+. <laughs> <laughs> toot toot. Moving on to Microsoft, we have three Xbox stories this week, but they all relate to free games available via services, so... Woohoo! Microsoft has announced the Xbox Live Games with Gold for the month of May, and I know I say this every time, but we do these in order. So if you're wondering why aren't we talking about the Sony's uh, PlayStation Plus for the month of May, it's because Sony hasn't announced it yet. When they announce it, we'll cover it. And when we cover that, we won't be covering Xbox. We cover what's going on during the week. We don't go backwards. Does that make sense? I hope that does. Anyway, uh, for Xbox Live Games with Gold from May 1st to the 31st, Xbox One owners can download the Gianna Sisters Twisted Dreams Director's Cut. Woo! And on May 16th through June 15th, Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris will be available for download on the Xbox One. Over on the Xbox 360, there's a couple of Star Wars games, with The Force Unleashed available from May 1st to the 15th, and Lego Star Wars The Complete Saga will be available from May 16th to the 31st through the 31st, both of which are Xbox One backwards compatible. I gotta admit, you know, I, I, I think that this is a kind of a hit or miss month for Xbox. Usually I really like what they do with games with gold, but this time it's just, it's not, it's not quite as good. Uh, I will say that the Lara Croft game is fantastic. Uh, Temple of Osiris is a top-down, uh, four-person online co-op game. It's a dungeon crawler, but also has some really cool platforming and like rope swinging mechanics. I played it back on the PlayStation 4, I want to say back in 2014, it was excellent. As for LEGO Star Wars, I will be the first to admit that I don't really like the LEGO series, and I have no real fondness for Star Wars. 
So I'm not into this. Like, this is just not a game for me. But I think this is a really smart addition to the lineup because other people really do like Star Wars and really do like Lego. I'm the odd man out, and I understand that. But, you know, I'm right. You're wrong. Mass delusion, but whatever. Fine. Enjoy your silly little game. Uh, now, I haven't really played The Force Unleashed 2. I played a demo of it, and I've never really played the Gianna Sisters, but I haven't heard... I haven't heard the best things about those games. So, yeah, kind of a mixed bag, all in all. But uh, if you do get a chance and you have three other buddies, please check out Laura Croft and the Temple of Osiris. It is an awesome game. Anyway, toot toot. There are five new additions to Xbox One backwards compatibility. They are 3D Ultra Mini Golf Adventures. Who doesn't like having mini golf adventures? Contra, Golf Tee It Up, Gin Rummy, uh, Robo Blitz, and that's it. And I got to say, you know, this is amazing. You can finally play Gin Rummy without having to call up your dumb dead grandma anymore. Stupid grandma. Oh, and before you get too excited, one thing I do want to make uh, clear, the Contra that they have for backwards compatibility, that is the arcade version, not the NES version. And I will say that you do not want to play the arcade version. It's all about the uh, it's all about the uh, NES version. So don't probably don't get that unless you already own it. In which case, you can download for free, so who really cares? Anyway, toot toot. And finally, in Microsoft news, EA has added yet another game to their EA Access Origin lineup. And it happens to be the ninth best-selling game of 2017. Uh, FIFA 17 is currently available on the Xbox and PC version of Access, and it is for free if you are a subscriber to the service. And that's really the whole story right there. But this does give us a little bit of a peek into EA's decision-making for their Access library. I believe it was two months ago that they added Madden to EA Access. And in case you don't know, EA Access, it's 30 bucks a year, and then you have access to the EA Vault. And the EA Vault is just all these EA games that you can download freely. Uh, so when they added Madden two months ago, I was a bit perplexed. I was like, why? Why would you do this? This game still has money. Why are you dropping it like this? Uh, and But the Madden game from last year, that was the fifth best-selling game in North America. So it's the fifth best-selling game, and they added it two months ago. FIFA was the ninth best-selling game of 2016, and they're adding it, you know, two months later. So if I had to guess, they're waiting until a game is just about to reach the peak of its life cycle sales, and then they're throwing it in the vault. And that's a smart move, because that means that, you know, before the game becomes too dated, which it will next September, the old version of FIFA is pretty much irrelevant. That means that it keeps EA Access attractive, which means they have a steady stream of income as opposed to just people buying one game at a time. Multi-subscription services. That's why everyone's doing it. That's why they're doing this loot box bullshit. That's why they have all these uh, alternatives to Netflix, because there's a lot of money in a monthly subscription, because most of the time, people forget to unsubscribe. True story. Anyway, toot toot. Last week, Gun Media and Ilphonic confirmed... Friday the 13th, the game, will be released next month on May 26th. The game is based off the signature slasher franchise and features eight-player online matches where seven hopeful survivors attempt to escape the brutal attacks of the iconic Jason Voorhees. Uh, though Gun Media has promised a single-player mode will arrive later this summer for free, but it's going to be only multiplayer when it comes out. Friday the 13th, the game, will launch on the Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC for $40. I'm really looking forward to this game. 
It sounds awesome. Like I, I, I saw a little bit of the clips of it. It's all in first person, uh, and it looks super cool. Like even if you don't care about horror movies, it, it's a concept that immediately makes sense to you. It's something you totally understand uh, right away. Like every time you see a slasher movie, right? You're, you're you're watching the survivors trying to escape, and you're and you're you know you're judging everything they do. You're telling them where to go, and you can kind of do that in a. Um, you know, in a, a single-player horror game as well, but it's not it's not the same. When you know that there's another player out there that is Jason Voorhees that is out to get you, you're going to be a little bit more paranoid, and that's super cool, but I guess I should say at the same time, you kind of do root for the monster. You do want to see Jason slash up some people, so when you're playing as Jason, you know, it, it, it's just like watching those movies, and the reason I'm so excited for this game, I'm not the biggest Friday the 13th fan. I've watched enough of the movies, and I do, you know, you know I enjoy watching those movies. But I'm not going to get, like, a, a wall poster of Jason Voorhees or anything like that. Uh, but this is just a new idea. This is what we need for this generation. We need more original ideas when it comes to online multiplayer, because it seems like it's either deathmatch or it's co-op. It's just real, it, it, it's so you know, archaic. It's so 2003. Like, we're still in that mentality. And say what you will about games like Evolve. They were original. They were original ideas. So even if it doesn't pan out, like, even if this game doesn't work out, even if Friday the 13th is kind of a disappointment, we need these types of games because another developer will see where they made their mistakes and improve upon it. And that means that we'll have a whole new genre of online games. And that makes me excited. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> toot toot. Uh, moving on to Namco news, it appears we might be receiving a customizable version of Pac-Man. Uh, last week, a trademark for the Pac-Man Maker, yes, it was literally called Pac-Man Maker, was registered in the European Union, though at this point it has yet to be approved. While the uh, additional registration, while the additional registration of the already announced uh, code vein does lend some credibility to this trademark's on authenticity, it's worth noting many troll trademarks have been applied for in the past. In other words, it might be Bandai Namco themselves registering for the trademark, or it might be some jerk that's just trying to troll everyone. So yes, this could all be a dumb prank. I want to be very, very clear about that. And I mean, if you've been watching the show long enough, you'll probably remember when somebody trademarked Half-Life 3 uh, on uh, at the European Union. That was a disappointing week. <laughs> but okay, let's look at Pac-Man Maker, if it's real. If it's real, let's, let's just take it at face value. All right, it might be fake, but let's just let's just go with this. Now, as as many people have already pointed out, uh, this name is suspiciously close to Super Mario Maker, which of course was the uh, you know the Wii U exclusive where you made Mario stages. And so some people think there's no way Nintendo's not going to let them just rip off that title. But let's think about it for a moment. Bandai Namco and Nintendo have been incredibly close over the past few years. I mean, Bandai Namco made a a Pokemon fighting game. They basically developed, uh, you know, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, as well as uh, the last Super Smash Brothers. So it's like they have a history. It would make sense that maybe they would make a Pac-Man maker exclusive for the Nintendo Switch. I mean, it does. They, they have the history there. So in fact, I would say, yeah, I would say this makes total sense. Even if it's even if it's fake, we're just talking in hypotheticals right now. But that introduces a new question. Is this a good idea? <laughs> because I don't know about you, but I love me some Pac-Man. I love the original Pac-Man. I love Miss Pac-Man. I even like, you know, Pac-Man The New Adventures. And of course, I love Championship Edition. But you know why I like Pac-Man? It's because I sit down, I pick up my controller, or I'm at the arcade, and I pop in a quarter, and just right there, I'm chomping ghosts, I'm collecting pellets, and I'm eating fruit. I love Pac-Man that way. 
The last thing I want to do is sit down, hear that cool Pac-Man music, and then just design a course for 15 minutes. Or worse yet, go online and have to scroll through a list of half-assed creations, uh, you know, just trying to find a decent game of Pac-Man. So if this is real, I hope they introduce something new and exciting, because if it's just the 35-year-old game except this time you get to make the maze, no thank you! Anyway. Toot toot! In related news, Bandai Namco has announced Code Vein, an anime-inspired action RPG where players will drink blood and kill things. I wish there was more to say about this, but Bandai Namco only released screenshots. 2017, and all we're getting is screenshots. It'll be released in 2018. That's the entire story. Figure out your PR, Bandai Namco. I, I will be honest though, it looks kinda cool. Like, I like the anime art style, and vampires are cool, so... Code Vein, check it out. Anyway, toot toot, here are the games that are going to be out this week at retail and digitally. On Tuesday, What Remains of Edith Finch will be on the PlayStation 4 and PC. Outlast Trinity will be on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. That is the original uh, Outlast, followed by the DLC The Whistleblower and Outlast 2. However, also on Tuesday on PC, you can download Outlast 2 on its own. Uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris will be on the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch, which I heard is quite good. Uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 2 will be on the PlayStation 4 and PC. I don't know why the Switch version isn't out yet. It's already out in Japan. Maybe it'll never be released here because I heard the frame rate is garbage. Uh, Valhalla Hills will be on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Siberia 3 will be on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Death State will be on the PlayStation 4. Batman Arkham VR finally comes to the PC. Uh, the Deer God will be out on PlayStation 4. On Thursday, Warhammer 40,000. Dawn of War 3 will be on the PC. And Kamiko will be on the Nintendo Switch. I have no idea what that game is. <laughs> on Friday, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe will be out on the Nintendo Switch. Period. Cube Shackles of Amadeus will be out on the Vita. It's always the Vita games that have the weird names. Uh, Little Nightmares 6 Edition, which I assume is the special edition of <laughs> Little Nightmares. I don't know, but it'll be on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And finally, we'll have a physical release of Job Simulator for PlayStation VR at retail. Beep, beep. That's going to do it for the Hype Train. Thank you, Hype Train. Thank you so much. Man, it's gotten muggy in here with all that yelling about Call of Duty. I need to get outside. Wait a minute. I know a place that's always warm with the glow of cold, hard cash. That's right, it's time for... The Chart Park, the land where money grows on trees. Yes, The Chart Park, this is the part of the show we talk about the legal business and financial news in the video game industry, and we find out which fat cats of Wall Street will tip their top hats towards Lady Luck. I have an itch right on my nose right now, right when I'm recording this, and that is just, that is problematic, man. Just like, I think it's like part of my mustache is just, come on, come on. I need to talk about the legal business of financial news, mustache. Relax. There, I think I got it. I think I got the wild hair. Anyway, it appears Steam might be getting some serious competition. Last week, the world's largest video game company, Tencent, announced plans to expand its platform service into the West. Simply titled Wii Game, Tencent's service already holds the largest user base in the world with over 200 million accounts in China alone. Just China. 200 million. 
Seriously, that's 62% more than Steam. Tencent is already best known as the publisher of the hugely profitable League of Legends and Clash of Clans, as well as the owners of Riot Games and Supercell. Wii Game contains many features similar to Steam, including friends lists, chat, and a storefront to purchase games. And uh, there you go. So, is this the end of Steam? Is Valve... Is Valve in deep shit? Do they need to pack it up and get out of this industry? No, no, of course not. So we can put all the hyperbole aside. Nevertheless, this is a serious move against Valve. And I do mean a serious move against Valve. This is one of those stories that's a sleeper. A lot of people aren't paying attention to it, but you should. I mean, think about this. Where do you think Valve got the idea to create a platform exclusive MOBA? They got it from, from Tencent, with Wii Game, with League of Legends. Well, I guess, you know, you can play League of Legends without... You know what I mean. Now, what we don't know is what sort of games will be available in the English storefront. But if they can match Steam, blow for blow, with AAA games and indie titles, we're going to have a real war in our hands. And that's actually fantastic news for PC users. I mean, look, Steam is great. It allows everyone to have most of their library available on a single platform. The problem is, that's a borderline monopoly, which is never good for the market. And with Origin and, and Uplay and, and, and Itch.io only representing a fraction of the market, Valve has little incentive outside of legal means to bring the best customer service to you. I mean, do you remember how many lawsuits out of the EU it took before they finally implemented a refund system? It took years. I hope Tencent can get some real ground here, if only to create real competition. Because whenever that happens, it doesn't matter what the product is, it doesn't matter what the market is, the consumer always wins. I mean, unless Wii Game just sells a bunch of uh, DLC for League of Legends and random Chinese games, then it won't really matter. But hopefully, they know what they're doing by entering this market. Okay, moving on. Do you love Twitch? But do you hate money? Well, Amazon has the solution for you. Last week, the company announced a series of new subscription plans for their Twitch Prime service. While the current program offers ad-free viewing for $5 a month, the new line includes a $10 or $25 subscription a month, allowing users to, and this is what they said, quote, support the streamers you love, end quote. That was really it. Users will also be given access to exclusive emotes. Woo! <laughs> well, it appears that Amazon still doesn't know how to make any goddamn money off of Twitch. And look, I'm not defending YouTube Red, but at least Google has exclusive content on there for people to watch, whereas Twitch Prime service, uh, what does that even give you? Um, emotes? Emotes? For some reason, Twitch wants to act like Patreon and Adblocker don't exist. But I assure you, Amazon, they do. And while I assume the initial rollout of Twitch Prime was successful enough to encourage some sort of expansion, this isn't expansion. This is more of the same. It's just more money that you pay. Can you imagine if Google purchased Twitch back in 2014 before Amazon picked it up? I think they would have a clear direction for this company. All Amazon has done is escalate. Now, they're talking about letting you buy games off of Twitch, and that's a good first move. But just having these bizarre subscription services, $5 a month, $10 a month, $25 a month, what do you get? Ad-free viewing? Great. There's literally an app for that, and people are using it all over the world. If you want people to support the streamers that they love, they'll just use Patreon. 
you need to have a viable business strategy. Maybe a, a game that people can interact with. Something. But so far, Twitch has simply been, give us more money. We'll figure out what it's for later. Here's an emote. Boring, stupid crap in my book. Maybe you disagree. Let me know if you disagree, because I don't watch a whole lot of Twitch outside of Street Fighter tournaments and most fighting game tournaments. Anyway, moving on. Ubisoft is back in the chart park, and for once it has nothing to do with Vivendi. The French publisher and developer revealed plans to open two brand new studios, one in Berlin, Germany, and the other in Bordeaux, France. While Bordeaux will aid in the development of other nearby French studios, Berlin will soon begin development on a yet-to-be-announced AAA title. That's at least what Ubisoft said. This puts the current number of Ubisoft-owned developer studios at a whopping 37. So it looks like it's business as usual for Ubisoft, which is kind of odd, because I could have sworn that Vinvendi would purchase more stock by now. And in case you don't know, Vinvendi is this giant corporation. They are trying to outright buy Vinvendi by purchasing a lot of their stock. It's what's known as a hostile takeover, because Ubisoft does not want Vinvendi to control the company uh, with the majority share. Uh, anyway, but hopefully this means Ubisoft has enough confidence in their current position uh, that they, they think they will not be bought out. And I think it's kind of a smart move to invest further in France um, because when companies are, when it comes to, uh, you know, France, if you're a more patriotic company, kind of like here in America, you know, if we found out that there was some French company that was trying to buy out, uh, let's say EA. Let's just say Electronic Arts, even though people are like, oh, fuck EA, we don't like EA. But if some random French company like Vivendi was like, we're going to buy all the shares of this, people would be a little bit more like, oh, that's not cool. Don't do that. We want to keep this. I don't know. Actually, I kind of take that back because Vivendi did have stock in EA and they did have stock in Activision Blizzard. But over in France, like if you support the country, people are more likely to support you. So it's a very smart uh, political strategy on their part. Now, the only problem is that Vivendi is also a French company. So they don't really see an issue with this, but whatever. Moving on, we normally don't talk about politics here on the Pressure Cast, but I think we can make an exception here. The Korean presidential candidate Moon Jae-in has taken an unusual campaign strategy. Uh, as of last week, he released two fan-made maps for StarCraft Brood War. Yes, really, presidential candidate over in Korea made StarCraft maps. Now, the maps themselves are fairly simplistic in their design, uh, though one use... The one in specific uses the game assets to spell out the candidate's name, Moon J-In. You can't make this up. I guess that's one way to get attention. I mean, if you're, um, if you're interested, you can actually go on YouTube and watch him build the maps. Like, yes, he really built the maps himself. I have no idea how this would be received here in America. I don't think it would fly, you know, as well. I mean, like, if I was to be like, hey, I'm running for Alderman. For more information, please check out my Minecraft world. <laughs> you know, like, I don't think that's that's going to fly. Though this does raise an interesting point as, as video games grow in popularity and as we have more uh, politicians, as, as, as the very first generation of people that played video games ages up, we're more likely to see politicians who really like video games. I mean, except for that one... <laughs> <laughs> that one politician, the vaping one. I don't know if you ever heard about that, but he, he took contributions and spent like $12,000 on vaping and, and Steam games. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Welcome to the future, everybody. 
Anyway, moving on. Good news for Sega. Following uh, this month's Steam release of the 2010 beat-em-up Bayonetta, the title has already seen over 100,000 copies sold. While Sega itself has not confirmed the news, the research site Steam Spy currently lists 126,000 copies have already been sold since its release on April 11th. And I know I'm repeating myself, but I really hope this encourages Sega to somehow fund and produce Bayonetta 3. I don't care if it's a PC exclusive. I don't care if it's a Switch exclusive. I don't care if it's an Xbox 360 exclusive exclusive if I have to dig up my old consoles. Whatever it is, please do it because that franchise is money. And in case you are not aware, Bayonetta is like a um, Devil May Cry meets God of War kind of game. Giant epic battles. You learn these fast paced combos. It's so much fun. Now, if you have a Wii U, I would highly recommend that you pick up Bayonetta 2 over Bayonetta 1. Bayonetta 1 is a good game. It's a good game. Bayonetta 2 is a masterpiece. Masterpiece. You have to play that game. And if you don't have a Wii U, well, hopefully the price will drop and then you can buy one. I hope. Anyway, and finally, before we get to the charts, the Japanese brand Yummy Mart has announced it will partner with Nintendo for, brace yourself here, Kirby Lingerie. Peach John will release a variety of attire, including panties, a backpack, a sleeping mask, and a full torso Kirby sack, like just like a big ball over your body that has Kirby's face on it. <laughs> uh, for those looking to spice up their wardrobe, the outfits will be available later this week on April 26th. So yes, there's obviously some jokes to be made here. Kirby likes to eat and suck and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's an adorable little fluffy guy, so he kind of fits on lingerie. I mean, they put, like, you know, black cats on lingerie and dogs on lingerie. So yeah, Kirby's cute. Put him on lingerie. No big deal. But holy shit, the pictures that they included for this promotion are creepy as hell. You don't actually don't look them up. I was going to say look them up, but I would not recommend it. They have this girl who looks crazy young. And I mean like 12. She looks like 12. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, fashion is inherently like sexual or anything. And that, of course, you could have like kids, you know, doing fashion stuff, whatever. That's no big deal. But this is about like panties and stuff. And there's like this really young girl and it looks like and she's like not happy. She's not. She's like she looks kind of pissed off. It just looks like like creepy child porn. And I have no idea why Nintendo would approve of these pictures. It's so disturbing. Anyway, let's just move on. Nintendo, what the fuck? Anyway, moving on. The, Nin uh, <laughs> the NPD has released the top 10 best-selling games in North America for the month of March. They are as follows. Uh, Call of Duty. Infinite Warfare came in at the 10th spot. Number 9 was Nier Automata. Kind of disappointed, but I'm glad Nier at least made it on there. If I had to guess, uh, Nier is probably not going to be on the April top 10 list, which makes me incredibly sad because that game is a masterpiece. You should really play Nier Automata. Number 8 was NBA 2K17. Number 7 was For Honor. Number 6 was Grand Theft Auto 5. Actually, real quick, For Honor was the best-selling game in February, right? So that's a pretty steep drop from one month to the next. It's already down to seventh place. Jesus. Uh, number six is Grand Theft Auto V, because of course Grand Theft Auto V is always going to sell. Uh, number five is MLB The Show, 17. Uh, number four is Horizon Zero Dawn. Number three is Mass Effect Andromeda. Number two is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And number one is Ghost Recon Wildlands. Now you might be saying, well, that's kind of crazy. Horizon Zero Dawn and Zelda didn't beat Ghost Recon? That's weird. Well, there's more to this story. See, MLB The Show, Horizon, and Zelda did not include their digital sales when they released their information to the NPD, so we really don't know who won March. I mean, 
the Switch was the best-selling console, and we know that uh, uh, that that Zelda itself sold more copies than the console. Uh, and I don't know about you, but you know, if I go to a store and I pick up a console, I'm just going to pick up the game there. I'm not going to go home and download anything. So, who knows how many digital sales they had? Um, but you know, I'm 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 just amazed that they you know we don't really have further details. I, I guess I should point out that um, the PlayStation Four or whatever uh, the PSN sales they they actually list their numbers. They actually mentioned that um, uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands was the best-selling game. You know, for the month there. Anyway, that was a bit of a ramble. Let's go to the best-selling games over in the UK. Number 10 is LEGO City Undercover! Number 10. How great is that? Number 9 is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Number 8 is Rocket League. Number 7 is Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Number 6 is Ukulele. Number 5 is FIFA 17. Number 4 is Overwatch. Number 3 is Grand Theft Auto 5. Number 2 is LEGO Worlds. And number 1 is Ghost Recon Wildlands because it's a very popular game. Uh, now let's go to the Cursed Line of Trains known as Japan to find one of the best-selling games over there. Number 10 was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Number 9 was Pokemon Sun and Moon because of course it is. It's Japan. Number 8 was Horizon Zero Don. Good to see that's still doing well there. Number seven was Lego Worlds. Number six was Ghost Recon Wildlands. I'm surprised it's doing that well in Japan. Number five was Near Automata. Super happy about that, though altogether it's only sold 300,000 copies over in Japan. Number four was 1-2 Switch. God knows why. Number three was Mario Superstars. Mario Sports Superstars. God knows why. Number two was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And number one was Monster Hunter XX, the most popular franchise in Japan. Now let's talk about where the best-selling consoles are in Japan. Uh, starting off with the Nintendo Switch with 45,673, the new 3DS with 18,115, PlayStation 4 with 17,067, PlayStation Vita with 5,592, PlayStation 4 Pro with 4,855, uh, 2DS with 4,475, new 3DS with 1,234, PlayStation 3 with 432, Wii U with 271, Xbox One with 142, which means that for the seventh week in a row, the Xbox One is in last place. But that's going to do it for the Chart Park, the land where money grows on trees. We've talked about the big money, now let's talk about the smaller things. That's right, it's time to get tiny, it's time for Pocket Talk, Pocket Talk, Pocket Talk. We only have one story in Pocket Talk. Despite being released 18 years ago, Office Space finally has a fucking video game. That's right, we've all been fucking waiting for this goddamn Office Space game. Everyone's been like, why don't they make a fucking Office Space game? Well, they have finally done so. Finally. Finally, Office Space Idle Profits soft launch last fall, but is now available on iOS and Android. In it, players will stare intently at chibi versions of the film's characters, waiting for blue bars to fill, and then tap the screen as fast as possible while an animated character freaks out in a car. If you can't tell, I'm being a little sarcastic here. I actually watched a video of this, and I recommend that you do too. It looks horrible. It looks horrible. I have no idea what's going on. Like, they take the scene from Office Space where Michael Bolton is freaking out in his car, and they just put another character in the car. It's like, why would you do that? What's the point of that? It's just people standing around, and you have to wait for a blue bar to fill. It's basically a clicker. And it, it looks like you're, uh... Remember those things that, that people were doing for a while on Facebook where you could create, like, an animated version of yourself? It looks like that. It's ugly as hell. It's terrible. And you know what? We should just leave it behind because that's going to have to do it <laughs> for Pocket Talk. Pocket Talk, Pocket Talk. Anyway, 
We finally come to the final segment of the show. We have finally come to the final segment. Yes, we have. This is the part of the show we take a look back at the week that was 10 years ago and beyond, and also something we like to call Strong History. 11 years ago, OutRun 2006 Coast to Coast was launched on the Xbox, PS2, and PSP. This is a fun little racing game uh, that basically took the format of OutRun. We're not, you know, there's, there's no cars that you're racing against. You're just trying to get a good time. And there's uh, this girl in the car with you, and every time you do a good move, hearts come out of her head. It's charming, it's stupid, but I really like OutRun uh, 2006. Ton of fun. Actually, really recommend that you, you track down a copy if you can. Uh, 12 years ago, on the PlayStation 2, Area 51 was launched. Uh, this game is only notable for one reason, well, I guess two reasons. It took a light gun game and made it a first-person shooter that kind of sucked. And the other reason is they had all these tech demos leading up to this game's release. And one of them, apparently, I never saw this firsthand, it was written in an article, involved a flag being shot by a gun and leaving real-time bullet holes in the flag. And that sounds amazing. I don't think I've ever seen that in a game, <laughs> yet... Apparently it existed 12 years ago, more than 12 years ago, because that was back in development. Also 12 years ago on the PlayStation 2, Predator Concrete Jungle was released. Uh, really good game. Uh, awesome, you got to play as the Predator. Uh, wait, no, let me check, let me double check my notes here. Awful, awful game. You play as the Predator running around ugly city environments, and uh, I would recommend looking that up. Imagine Spider-Man 2, if you could only walk everywhere and you were the Predator, <laughs> and it was really violent. 13 years ago on the PlayStation 2, the end of the saga, Onimusha 3, Demon Siege. Uh, this is uh, famous for having that uh, French actor. Fuck, I forgot his name. I can't remember the name of, of the guy. He was La Professionelle in that one movie. Nope. Can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. But Onimusha 3, really cool uh, game. Uh, especially because it, it had so many issues when it came to... Um, uh, the way the camera worked in Onimusha 3. They were trying to figure out a way to make a camera work, and they couldn't figure it out, and it inspired Shinji Mikami to create the over-the-shoulder viewpoint for his new game, Resident Evil 4. So without Onimusha 3's odd camera controls, we might not have Resident Evil 4, which is kind of cool. Uh, 15 years ago, Shiny Entertainment acquired was acquired by Infograms for $47 million. Which is really a bummer, because Shiny felt like it was one of those companies that, that could have gone somewhere, that could have done something. I mean, they made Earthworm Jim, they made Wild, Lion, Wild 9, they made MDK, and then Infograms picked them up, and all those franchises are just dead. Just straight up gone. Sad. 17 years ago, on the Game Boy Color, Metal Gear Solid was launched. This is one of the all-time best Game Boy games. I guess, it was, clearly, it's one of the best Game Boy Color games, but it's all around just one of the best handheld games I've ever played. Uh, you might be saying, oh, they, they made a, they remade Metal Gear Solid on a handheld. Well, no, it's like a totally different story. In fact, over in Japan, it was known as Metal Gear Ghost Babble. It wasn't even called Metal Gear Solid. And it has a really original story, really fun mechanics. Uh, if you've never had a chance to play it, you either, you either have to buy a copy or you have to emulate it. Do whichever you prefer. <laughs> 18 years ago in America, Super Smash Brothers was launched. Fantastic beat-em-up game. And my, me personally, that's my favorite Super Smash Brothers game. I like it more than Melee and Brawl and Wii U. It's just weird that they called that one for Wii U and for 3DS. Super Smash Brothers had the perfect balance of simplicity and, and just like skill. And I really like that. Everything after that, it just turned into slippery bullshit. Like the characters are just slippery everywhere. I don't like that. 19 years ago, on the PlayStation, Tekken 3 launched. Fantastic fighting game. Um, 
Not enough good things you can really say about Tekken 3. Amazing CG intro and endings. I love the endings of the Tekken series because they don't make a goddamn lick of sense. It's just bizarre. Uh, also 19 years ago, on the Super Nintendo, Rockman and Forte, or as it would be known later on, Rockman and Bass, uh, was launched in Japan. This for me is a really lame Mega Man game. And a lot of people will defend it because it was only in Japan for years and they really wanted to play it. And then when it finally came here, they're like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. Not really, it's really cheap. A lot of spikes. That's one of those Mega Man games where there's just too many spikes, you know? Because spikes kill you instantly, in case you don't know. Also, 19 years ago, on the PC, Forsaken was launched, which is a neat little first-person flying game. So you had to have your impressive graphics cards to, to play that, and hopefully you had your Voodoo Sound Blaster. <laughs> Different time, man. Uh, 21 years ago, on the Sega Genesis, Toy Story was launched. I'm always bewildered by how many people have fond remembrances of Toy Story on the Super Nintendo and Genesis. I thought it was pretty lackluster, especially for a Disney game. Like, I don't even really like uh, The Lion King, the movie, and I still think the game is good. So, Toy Story, a movie that I actually like, the game is boring. You're just woody, you're walking around, and you, you throw your string and tie up stuff. It's, you're fighting, like, wooden trains. Eh. 27 years ago, in Japan, Final Fantasy 3 was launched. Yes, the real Final Fantasy 3, not to be confused with 6. This is kind of the forgotten Final Fantasy, you know? I, I, I mean, they did remake it, eventually, in 3D on the DS, and apparently it was a much improved version. So, sadly, Final Fantasy 3 in its original incarnation, often forgotten. Also, 27 years ago, on the PC-88, one of my all-time favorite titles. This is, this is, I've never played the game, I just love the name. Hole Chaser. Yes, Hole Chaser. If you go look up the picture, it's just like this anime girl. It's like, yeah! <laughs> it says Hole Chaser. Look it up. It's, uh, it's good fun. 28 years ago, in Japan, on the Famicom, River City Ransom launched. This is just one of those games. This is one of those games, one of the all-time classics. And I'll, for a lot of people, it's nostalgia. That's why they like River City Ransom. Me, personally, I didn't play it until the late 90s. I was over the NES by that point. When I sat down and played, any, you know, River City Ransom, it just, it blew my mind. And I didn't know what I was getting into. I remember they had, like, the toy blocks for the name. I'm like, toy blocks? What is this? It is the purest beat-em-up. It has those cool uh, Kunio-kun-style characters who are also from Clash and the Boys and Super Dodgeball. And unlike other games, other, unlike other beat-em-ups, you go around, you fight these guys, right? But it's an open world. You can go anywhere. There's no timer or anything. Even better, you can go to shops and read books and, and have more powerful attacks. You can get, do like a super kick and a super jump. And then you can even like get power-ups. You can go and eat food. You can go and relax yourself. It's a super cool game. Uh, River City Ransom holds up tremendously well to this day because of all the freedom that it gives you. And it's just fun to hit people with trash cans. Uh, also, 28 years ago, Holy Diver was launched on the Famicom in Japan. Holy Diver is a game that stars Runny James Dio. You know, in image only. They don't call him Ryan James Dio. With tons of heavy metal references, and it plays a little bit like Castlevania. Only problem is, Dio was not involved at all. I don't know how they got away with this. It's bizarre. Also, 28 years ago, Game Freak was founded. And, uh, like a decade later, they'd put out something called Pokemon or whatever. Nothing important. And lastly, 31 years ago, Gradius was launched on the Famicom in Japan. A fantastic... Fantastic game for the Famicom uh, that also really holds up because it's just intense top-down shooting But anyway, that's gonna have to do it for strong history Good show brief show got a lot done. I feel confident about it, but uh, I think it is time that we close up the show Remember 
You can contact the PressureCast, PressureCast at gmail.com. You can text or call 954-947-7377, or you can even tweet at VGADUMB on Twitter, or go to Facebook.com slash VGADUMB. Highly recommend that you do. Like the page and all that bullshit, and you can send me messages, and um, you can leave me messages in the comments, and I'll respond. Cool? Sounds good to me. Uh, we're going to have a lot of videos coming up this week. I mean, a lot of videos. I've got... Well, you'll just have to wait and see. There'll be a video up on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and hopefully Friday. Hopefully Friday. So, you're going to be checking back a lot. Enjoy it. Uh, but yes, this has come to the end of the episode, because all things must end. But fear not, the pressure cast is not over, because the pressure cast is forever. See you guys. <laughs>